Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the director's commentary for Fenner Productions' adaptation of King John, uh, Act 3, Part 1. And joining me, your director, uh, is Landon, our dramaturg. Hello, y'all. And we also have Joel, our assistant director, as well. Hi there. Joined, gone to be friends. And then we all sit in silence. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we kick things off. Act three um, split into two parts because it is incredibly long, the kind of the hinge of the play. Um, and we kick things off with anger, pure anger. From. Uh, Constance. Yes, who is uh, played by Valina Cutler. Yep. A very, very strong performance in this uh, this act. Very much so. She's looking for some kind of revenge. She's a kind of... Um, a Machiavellian schema. So I see Constance as. But one who doesn't have the success that she perhaps deserves. Would that be a fair reflection? Yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh, I think Constance is my favorite character in this play. Uh, just because of... First of all, as far as most of the characters go, most of the characters are kind of going with what John does. Mm. And Absolutely. Constance is the character who uh, she has her own goals from the onset. And watching her go through the emotions, watch, or, or excuse me, listening, listening to that, and seeing what her character goes through in the story is it's tragic in a lot of ways. Fellow be gone, I cannot brook thy sight. This news hath made thee a most ugly man. What harm have I, good lady, done, but spoke the harm that is by others done? Which harm within itself so heinous <laughs> is, as it makes harmful all that speak of it. I do beseech you, madam, be content. If thou that bids me be content, wilt grim, ugly, and slanderous to thy mother's womb, full of unpleasing blots. And that was Krista Mass here as Arthur. Crooked, swart, prodigious. Patched with foul moles and eye-offending marks, I would not care. I then would be content. For then I should not love thee, nor thou become thy great birth, nor deserve a crown. But thou art fair, and at thy birth, dear boy, nature and... Something of a unique choice there, um, going with a, a female actress to play Arthur. Um, when we were trying to cast the character, we weren't exactly sure like what kind of sound we wanted him to have, if we wanted him to be more boyish or, or how how we wanted that to come across. And um, during casting, uh, George and Joel came across uh, Kristen's performance, and it sounded great. I think it makes sense to make Arthur feel as much of a victim as possible. So the, the, the kind of childish um, way in which Arthur is played, I think, really works. Very much so. Yeah, as, as far as pure tragedy goes, uh, Arthur 
gets it worse than anybody I else in this play. Hmm, definitely. I will instruct my sorrows. Seen as a kind of a, a chess piece. For grief is proud and makes um, it by everyone involved, really, which is quite sad. Well, he doesn't want he doesn't want what his mother wants. He doesn't want with what uh, John and his crew want. Uh, he just he just wants to be himself, and nobody will let him. Because politics. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Shakespeare. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a certain uh, irony in Shakespeare naming the character Arthur. Uh, I mean, King Arthur's probably the most famous character in British mythology. This symbol of Englishness, um, which is ultimately like what John cannot be. So I guess Arthur in that way is... Representative of the England that John is turning his back on. A wicked day and not a holy day. Well, John, in a lot of respects, is just selfish and dumb. <laughs> and it's to his own detriment and everyone else's detriment. Nay, rather turn this day out of the week, this day of shame, oppression, perjury. Or if it must stand still, let wives with child pray that their burdens may not fall this day, but that their hopes prodigiously be crossed. There are so many good speeches in this um, this act. So I do I do catch myself just sitting back and, and listening to the words. And I do encourage anyone listening to this to kind of go back and really, like, yeah, listen and maybe... You shall have no cause I know I say read along, but I don't know whether these scripts are publicly available. But just paying attention to the to the monologues, to the speeches, because they are fantastically written. I would totally agree. Uh, there's just something, there's something to it when you can hear it performed, and then go back and read what they said, because. Shakespeare was meant to be performed, but yeah. Shakespeare is also literature, and so it, it is beneficial to experience it both ways, if you can. Arm, arm, you heavens, against these perjured kings! A widow cries, be husband to me, heavens! And I think Shakespeare, I mean, there's this kind of myth that Shakespeare is impenetrable in terms of the language or whatever, but it, it really does make so much more sense, I find when it's performed than when you read it without having that context of performance in mind. Oh, yeah. Shakespeare, to me, is all about the emotion and the performance. I mean, the, the words are extremely meaningful, but they lack the gravitas, the energy, without an actor's performance. fortune's champion that does never fight, but when her humorous ladyship is by to teach thee safety, and there is real, real gravitas provided um, by Valina Cutler's performance. And um, she put in a lot of uh, effort into this one as well, actually, just getting the takes really, really correct. And I think it pays off in the final product. She completely runs away with this one. Thou wear a lion's hide. Stop it for shame and hang a capskin on those recreant limbs. 
And hang a calfskin on those recreant limbs. Thou dares not say so, villain, for thy life. This might and become a running joke, I fear. <laughs> on those recreant limbs. And um, right there, that was uh, Alexander Elroy as Austria and uh, Kyle Garrett as Philip the Bastard. Here comes the only legate of the Pope. And of course, we have Taha Chowdhury as King Philip. That is correct. I missed his voice there. <laughs> and now we've got Kareem Cronfly as uh, Cardinal Pendulf, who represents the Catholic Church and um, all of the formalities that they tried to place on the kings back in those days. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting character. You just, yeah. He is literally a representative of the Pope. Very much so. But... He's a very interesting character. Um, I, just, I, I, I always I, I struggle because I think he brings a third dimension to um to the politics, like the demands of the Pope. That was almost uh, that was almost what I was about to say. Uh, in a lot of ways, he is the the only quote unquote good guy in this play because he doesn't really put up with what. Philip and John are deal, dealing with and doing. He has his own agenda, and he's not trying to kill people. <laughs> Which is different than the Catholic Church of this era. <laughs> actually, part of me actually has to wonder if that was intentional on Shakespeare's part. If he wanted that to be some sort of commentary. I mean, I think you're you're probably correct there, given the time Shakespeare was writing after the Reformation. So Henry VIII got rid of the Catholic Church, England becomes Protestant, but then you've got at the at the time Shakespeare was writing this big struggle between Catholicism and Protestantism for supremacy. For he that Very holds much his so. kingdom holds the law. Therefore, since law itself is perfect wrong, how can the law forbid my tongue to curse? Philip of France, on peril of a curse, let go the hand of that arch heretic and raise the power but of... It is quite indicative of King John's stupidity to go against the Pope. Look to that devil. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, he's just dumb in this play. It's just a class, yeah, classic foolish ruler. He—it's not that John is stupid. He's not stupid. He has ideas and ambitions, but he always makes the wrong decisions. I mean, I would go as far as to say that he is the villain of this play. Oh, definitely. For God's easier. I mean, it, that's possibly why this play isn't as widely performed, is that it doesn't have a strong villainous character, like a, a clearly outlined de definitive villain. Right. Um, not, in the, not in the same way as, say, Iago in Othello, for example. 
face mounts up. But that's, that's why it's so interesting, because it's a different type down. of villainy. The king is moved and answers not to right. this. And it's not that John is just a... He's not a maliciously evil character either. He just has ideas and ambitions and stuff that, you know, it, it isn't beneficial to him. It's, it's detrimental to him and everybody else. And, you know, he ultimately loses his life for that. Mm. Spoilers. <laughs> True. <laughs> For a 400-year-old play. <laughs> yeah, you've had your chance to read it, guys. It's been around long enough. <laughs> Skip to this timestamp in the commentary to uh, avoid all spoilers. <laughs> It'll be the timestamp of like 20 minutes and 30 seconds. And even before this truce, but new before... I think something really interesting about the plotting of this play as well is that it's constantly jumping between fighting and truce without any real resolution. Yes. I've noticed. Which is... I mean, it very much mimics the era because... Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was a mess. love. <laughs> Stupid American me didn't actually know until I started adapting this play that uh, at this point in time, England held a lot of what is currently France. So, I mean, they were constantly going back and forth, bickering with each other. And it was a huge mess. And there was an immense pride placed on holding areas of France as well. So all of our least successful kings are the least successful kings, precisely because they lost land in France. And then post that, like King Henry VIII's main ambition was to get some new land in France. And he went over there and captured two towns. And that was it. And that was like his, his big success story. He was kind of like Donald Trump in that regard. And he was constantly talking up his minuscule achievements. <laughs> as much as things change, things stay the same. History repeats itself. Is history a flat circle or a Star Wars trilogy? You just. <laughs> Let thy bow first mate to heaven, first be to heaven, perform, that is, to be the champion of our church. What, since thou swarest, is sworn against thyself, and may not be performed by thyself? For that which thou hast... I think it's worth noting, like, Pandolf definitely has the clearest uh, motivation in this play, it seems. Like, he, his sole motivation is to do his job as a representative of the church. And, falsehood, falsehood. and that's why we can hold him up as this kind as of moral. Oh, yeah. High ground. High ground. And a another interesting thing is... Well, you know what? I'll just save that. I'll table that for another episode. Oh, no, go on. We've, we've, we've got time. All right, fair enough. Fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
another thing that actually reflects on John's character is how quickly he's willing to flip back and pledge his allegiance to the Pope uh, later on in the play. Because, I mean, Pandolf didn't change. He, he, was, he was still just doing his job. But it reflects back on John how... I mean, he, he doesn't really have any kind of backbone about this stuff. <laughs> Hmm. That's, a, that's a really interesting point, actually. Just, it just emphasizes the lack of like any real consistency in John's strategy. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Even for that name, which till this time my tongue did never pronounce upon my knee, I beg you. So I've missed some more actors here. Um, I was about to say, have we introduced uh, Blanche? But you go for, go for it, go for it. Uh, well, right now we've got uh, Olivia Steele as Blanche. And uh, a few moments ago we also had Will Harrison Wallace as Louis the Dolphin. That which him and if I'm not mistaken, honor. Julie Eve has already shown oh, up as Queen Eleanor. Absolutely. And then uh, Laura Bramblett is uh, also in this act as the Countess of Salisbury. Yeah, you would have heard her earlier on. I was talking and I missed it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Damn it, Landon. Yep. But yes, that is our cast. That concludes our cast for this episode. Yeah, that's everyone. That is one of the uh, plus sides of big giant scene acts is that uh, everybody shows up and, and you can get all the names out of the way pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. I cannot pray that thou mayest win. Uncle, I needs must pray that thou mayest lose. Father, I may not wish the fortune thine. Grandin, so Blanche's dilemma here. Wish thy fortune thrive. Um, Whoever wins. Caught between two sides. Although it does feel like this kind of position has come about very rapidly for her. My fortune lives. She is sort of the Mercutio of this play, where she's caught in the middle. The only difference is, because she's married to one side, she kind of has to choose that side. Oh, yeah. Where Mercutio, you know, does have a choice. And Mercutio, um, for anyone listening who has not listened to our uh, adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, uh, turn around right now and go listen to it, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's the sitcom-themed one. Yes. Right? Yes. Very, very strong. Still one of my favorite things that we've ever done Shakespeare the show. <laughs> don't try me, I'll do, I don't know, Richard III, the sitcom. <laughs> Should just do them all as a second. Okay, no, let's do that. That, that sounds amazing. <laughs> it's like really awkwardly placed laugh tracks. 
Alexander wow. Elroy as Austria, Olivia Steele. I need to stop suggesting they come right now. Louis the Dauphin, Laura Bramblett as the Countess. So we are coming to the end of Queen Eleanor, Act Three, Part One, Director's Commentary. Um, William Shakespeare, adapted for audio. Got Julie Eve doing our lovely credits. Assistant director. Um, anything you want to add, guys, before we wrap up? Got about ten seconds. Uh, I liked this episode. This was a good episode. Go listen to the other episodes. I think that sums it up, actually. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, guys, and we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye.